So before we start this week, I'd just like to make a quick apology for the sound quality on the first half of this podcast. Uh, me, being the spectacular fool that I am, managed to not record any audio, so I had to uh, rip the audio instead from a Google Hangout. So if it's not up to the usual standard, that's why it's completely my fault, and I can only apologise. Thank you. Welcome to Defenders Disassemble, a fortnightly spoiler-filled podcast discussing Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. This week, we're discussing Jessica Jones Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2, aka Ladies' Night and aka Crush Syndrome. I'm Yasmin. I'm Lauren. And I'm Bobby. Uh, So, as always, we'll dive straight in with news and rumours. So, it's a bit of a slow news week this week, or this fortnight. Um only really tidbits like Finn Jones on his Instagram which is just at Finn Jones shared a quote from I guess an Iron Fist comic uh, by Lei Kung the Thunderer who is Iron Fist's master when he gets trained I think so I guess he's just throwing himself into it and maybe reading some old comic books and this this one kind of resonated with him he's a very uh, cryptic chap on Instagram, this Finn Jones. Everything's a... He's very enigmatic. Yeah. <laughs> the the quote talks about uh, making your body hard, but keeping your heart soft. <laughs> Which I think is... <laughs> I think is meant to be, like, what Iron Fist is all about. He's a big softy. Yeah. But he can still, like, punch your head off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then over September and October, Marvel are, are producing a bunch of Defender variants for various comics. Like De- Daredevil's going to have a, an Alex Maleev variant. Um, Luke Cage is featured on Amazing Spider-Man number 18 and Uncanny X-Men number 12, which you don't really want to look at. Um, the most interesting one I find, though, is that Captain Marvel number nine, the defender variant for that is Nuke. I find that really interesting. He's not a defender, he's a bad guy though, isn't he? Yeah, he's a defender bad guy, I guess. But I just find that interesting that they put it on Captain Marvel's based on the current uh, Civil War 2 that's going on. Well, I haven't read, I've not caught up yet. <laughs> you have, you read number four. So I haven't got another one to come. No. So I'm going to have waited like six weeks and I yeah. won't have a new one. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. okay uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool that they're doing this, I think, leading up to and going over Luke Cage. And they are featuring the Netflix Defenders, not the classic Defenders from the comics, which are like Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer and the Hulk and stuff. Yeah, I, I, think, I think people would be like the draw. They're trying to obviously draw in people presumably who aren't already like comic yeah. fans necessarily but it's cool did uh what was i about to say did we already mention previously that um uh and i this is really terrible of me i cannot remember his name um the showrunner for luke cage he has a uh, 
yes, yeah, sorry, I'm really bad with names. Um, he's announced all of the episode titles on Twitter now. I can't remember if we did because I was going to mention when we when I originally made the notes for Daredevil episode thirteen, he'd only announced the first two, so I was going to mention it then. Um, but then by the time we recorded it, he'd done all of them, so I didn't really think it was like necessary. I feel like maybe we did. I can't remember if we mentioned it. Maybe if we did, maybe we did last no week. Idea. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We did last week, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm fairly certain I remember talking about them being named after gangster sons. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it just it just occurred to me just then. And then the last bit of little news is that Charlie Cox is going to be a father. Um. <laughs> so congratulations to Charlie Cox and his girlfriend. Yeah, whoever she may be, whoever she is. Yeah, I, I do feel like mildly. I hope that he like approved this announcement because it wasn't because it was like Joe Casada apparently just like said it because he was like All hosting right. the panel. He's a very private person. I hope he like okayed <laughs> the, the, this oh, revelation. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe Joe Casada was like, "We'll give you an even worse costume if you don't let us say this." <laughs> No, please. We're giving you the Daredevil 2003 look. (laughs) (laughs) That red pleather. Yeah. Um, So there's a bit of extra news. Uh, Jessica Jones won an Emmy for Best Original Main Title Theme Music. So it just just keeps rolling in them awards. So it's not for the... um, For just the sequences, just for the music. That's what it says, yeah. Okay. Best original main even, theme music. Even with that terrible guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the Emmys didn't think so. So that's it for news and rumours. So we'll get straight in to our first episode, which is Jessica Jones Season 1, Episode 1, a.k.a. Ladies' Night. So the synopsis for this episode is... Jessica Jones is hired to find a pretty NYU student who's vanished, but it turns out to be more than a simple missing persons case. Uh, this episode's got 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a runtime of 52 minutes. It's directed by S.J. Clarkson and is written by Melissa Rosenberg. Um, just as a uh, something I happened to look up whilst I was doing my, my research for this bit. Um, so, obviously we said in our last podcast that... Um, although I, n- I never checked this fact, I don't know if any of us did, that um, <laughs> Jessica Jones was now the most like awarded um, Netflix TV show. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly like the most critically acclaimed, like it's it's really well praised by critics, but um, almost all of the episodes seem to be rated on IMDb lower than the Daredevil episodes. And I think there's a real, there's, an obvious difference between just between Daredevil and Jessica Jones of the critical reception versus the fan reception. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it's not not anything important. Just something, just something I noticed based on my IMDb research. That that might be a good like discussion topic at the end. Yeah, of just all of Jessica Jones. Yeah, I am. Um, I think it might just be more to do with like the usership of IMDb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is something I thought I'd mention. Um, so we'll get straight into it. So the uh, one sort of major difference I guess we get in this series 
is that the credits are up front at the beginning of each episode, which I think is more in fitting with the sort of um, film noir-esque style that the show mm-hmm. establishes, like, straight away. Um, so, because obviously they've won awards as well for this opening sequence. David yeah. Mack has won awards for it. But obviously, if, you, if you're if you sitting and watching, like, multiple episodes on Netflix, it, um, it just skips the credits every time, mm-hmm. which seems like slightly counterintuitive i guess um so we start off the episode um uh with jessica giving us a voiceover of a um man and a woman uh getting up to no good in a dirty underpass by the looks of it um so the voiceover and the music here like immediately set like I, like I said, a really, really distinctive tone. It's very, um, I said, like, obviously, film noir. It just really reminds me of LA noir. That's what I think of every time I watch it, which I wish I would, I wish I didn't. I wish I could, like, dissociate that style from LA noir because that's the most, like, ridiculous game of all time. Um, but so Jessica talks about, um, how New York's the city that never sleeps, but it sure does sleep around or something. That's equally cheesy. <laughs> um, well, it reminds me of Sex and the City. And I was like, is Sex and the City a film noir? <laughs> Why are they similar? Because even the, the credits music is a bit Sex and the City as well. And I was like, It is a little bit, isn't it? But I don't know if maybe Sex and the City was drawing on it in like, uh, this reminds us of the city way. Yeah. And it's like a different, there's obviously not, the same vibe. I'm now imagining Jessica Jones like <laughs> sitting in like some sort of silk negligee, like tapping <laughs> away, on away. Laptop, making a living, um, writing one column a week and yeah. spending all that money on shoes. <laughs> yeah, she's not that kind of girl, really, is she? No, but that's what it felt like. And then now I'm just, I would like to find out the links of why it is. Is it because Sex and the City does draw on film noir? Or it's just. It I just think else? it's the same. Like weirdly, I can get what you mean. It is kind of like the same feel, like the um, the sort of world weary voiceover of the lone woman. Yeah, in the city. but like the snappy, like kind of upbeat jazz song. Robert's just like I'm out of this out of this conversation. I have to say, <laughs> this does not concern me. To contribute. <laughs> <laughs> modern man that enjoys sex in the city <laughs> i don't not enjoy it i've just not seen it <laughs> i've watched like maybe three episodes sorry we've got i've got the uh, the essential collection here you can watch it when, when you come around i Me think too. my brother actually really likes it we can swap between <laughs> one episode of flute cage one episode of sex in the city yeah. <laughs> um I was just going to say, I actually, you know, in the main credits, the bit when it like ramps up and then there's that like wild guitar solo. <laughs> yeah. I really hate the guitar solo. <laughs> so. I don't like any of the credits, actually. I like, I don't like the song. I don't really like the style. I like the style up until the very end point when it's like a profile of her face with like a big blinking eye. I think the animation looks really like simplistic. Like, yeah. I feel like whoever made the Daredevil opening sequences got like like robbed of an award by David Mack for this. But anyway, David Mack's the guy who does the covers, isn't he? For Jessica yes. Jones, the comic book. 
Yeah, and he did um, some of Daredevil before as well. Yeah. But his style doesn't really work in, in comics, or it doesn't for me anyway. Like, I like it on a, on a cover, but when he does, when he tells stories, yeah, there's, there's it's like, all a bit of a, like, it's when that, mess. That, that kid's, like, recalling Tim, that Tim? story. Yeah. Tim, About Timmy or something. Frogman or Leap Man or something like that. Oh, it's, yeah, and then Daredevil like electrocutes him. Yeah, in front of him, it's quite fucked up. Leap isn't his dad? Yeah, but it's the kid that kills him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The whole thing. Is... Anyway, this is, this is completely, completely off topic. Um, <laughs> um, so here begins my notes where I just couldn't stop writing Jessica instead of Jessica. I wrote it literally like ten <laughs> Jessica. times. Jessica, Jessica. <laughs> Not, not Jessica Can, not a Jessica Can't. <laughs> <laughs> so we finish the voiceover. Um, she it leads us into her having the meeting with uh, the husband of the woman we saw getting up to no good previously, um, and she he gets angry at her because people are awful, um, and she throws him through her office door, which I think is pretty much directly out of the comics. Yeah, it's pretty like an iconic scene from the comic book. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of established as our no-bullshit um, main character. <laughs> we see her on the street. Um, I, th- I feel like my scene-by-scene run-throughs are quite difficult on this, because it, it, there's a lot of... Quick. Yeah, and it's not a lot of, like, distinctly cut scenes. It's, like, walking from place to place and happening to change scenes. So um, I'm sorry if it becomes unclear. Um, So she's on the street. The voiceover's continuing. Um, She obviously talks about um, not letting people get close. Um, I can't remember the exact word she uses. And then basically a bus with Trisha's face plastered on the side of it drives past. and it kind of well, kind of implies that the only person of any real importance to her is Trish. Um, but obviously we don't really know what their relationship is at the moment. Um, yeah. So we then see her um, barging in to Hogarth, Chow and Benowitz uh, LLP, which is the law firm of Jerry Hogarth. Um, I think it... I think a lot of um, a lot of what happens in the, certainly this episode, obviously, is obviously it's the first episode you've got to establish a lot of stuff, um, and it does that very well through like the scene setting rather than being told stuff. So obviously, we see, you know, we we hear her ask for Hogarth. Hogarth comes out, and then we are shown the fact that her name is like first in the, what is the sign of what is obviously a very like prestigious mm. lawyer, like lawyers. I was about to say lawyering firm, that law <laughs> firm, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Very prestigious law firm. Um, so she's obviously, you know, a very powerful and important woman. Um, uh, she's, I've just written here, she's obviously a little immoral, but Jessica doesn't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we, we immediately get set up that Jessica's done some work for her before. Um, they, you know, go through some sort of bartering process about how um jessica's methods are a little unorthodox obviously and we can take a guess at what those are um 
so she's asked to serve some papers to um, Gregory Spheris, who sounds like a slimy little character. Mm. Um, they're defending the the poor um, dancer that was injured at one of his clubs, um, but obviously also doing it with ulterior motives in that they're also representing someone who's interested in his properties. So there's no kind of... Um, there's no, there's, there's no hand, handouts here, are there? No. Um, so it's worth making the point that originally um, Jaron Hogarth is a male character in the yep. comics who I believe is from Iron Fist comics. Yeah, he originally. like works for Luke Cage and Iron Fist, like running, helping run Heroes for Hire, I think. I've got that initially he worked for Rand Meacham Incorporated. Maybe, uh, yeah. as their lawyer so i would ex expect i guess that she will turn up in iron fist i would assume so yeah yeah um i think i think hopefully with foggy nelson i feel like they're setting up hogarth to be like the nick fury of the netflix series that would be quite I think, cool i think she's going to end up bringing them all together in defenders just because she and she is setting up like a superhero department, isn't she? With yeah, spo spoilers for Daredevil season two. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's setting up some kind of like superhero department, <laughs> as you put it. Yeah. <laughs> He's on so unimpressed with us, man. Superhero department. I wouldn't, I, no, I, just, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't know how else to put it myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I hadn't really thought of that, but yeah, that definitely... That does seem not the kind of route they're going down. So, especially it's again spoilers for the rest of this season. We see Hogarth has experience with um, people with superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, obviously, we're maybe slightly leaping ahead here, but it's I like that they took what was obviously a male role and turned it into a female role. But also, I think she is our first like LGBT canon character in the mm. MCU. Am I right in saying? Um, I did a quick Google before we started recording. I, I I'm not 100% sure, but I think there was a gay character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like just before Jessica Jones came out. Oh, okay. Um, but it was quite a minor role. Okay. Um, well, it, it's, she, all good for, it's all good for everyone. She's doing she's, her bit. That yeah. guy's doing their bit. I, I say that guy. It could be a female character. I don't know. It was a guy. Paid. He was a guy. He's doing yeah. his bit. She's doing her bit. We're all trying to make the TV world a little bit less straight. <laughs> um, uh, so we then uh, leap forward to Jessica um, on the toilet investigating uh, the guy she's supposed to be serving a summons to. Um, I, I personally find this a little bit like heavy-handed this whole like oh look she's just a normal woman she uses her yeah. laptop while she's having a wee and then she doesn't have any loo roll and i'm like okay like i get I it i think this is a scene from the comics as well oh is it okay yeah I, I i suppose we should have maybe clarified that uh i have i'm the only one that hasn't read any of the comics for jessica jones um i've read the first one but i can't remember any of it <laughs> yeah i've only read um first two volumes of Alias so not lots I literally can't remember any of it to the point where I was like no I've never read this book 
I've ne- no, I never got around to reading it. And then I looked in my list of what I'd read in that month, and I'd read it earlier that month. And I was like, well, I have no memory of this. <laughs> well, you obviously so. did. Um, but yeah, so Jessica basically tricks um, a uh, assistant into telling her where she can find Spheris uh, in the week. Um, she then well she gets into bed um and it's kind of set up not like very obviously i don't i don't really know what the word i'm trying to search for is it's it obviously shows that she's go to bed she's obviously suffering with something that gives her nightmares and probably doesn't want to go to sleep and i remember Obviously, obviously, we've already watched the season, so obviously we know what know what all of those things are. But I remember when I first watched it, that it was like very obvious, like very well set up in that scene that she was obviously like struggling with something. Um, so she gets back out out of bed, um, and goes to do some light stalking, um, outside of, uh, well, it's outside of Luke's bar, but we don't know that it's. Bar, yeah, it's very hard to comment on all this without yeah. <laughs> having that Given... prior knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge. So essentially, we see her sitting outside of um, someone's bar, um, spying on people with her camera. Um, so we do have some rather unpleasant um, fat shaming in this mm-hmm. this little bit. So. Jessica spots a um, a woman through her like apartment window. Um, she's working out on like a, I think Jessica calls it a treadmill, but it definitely looks like a cross trainer to me. Um, and then gets off the cross trainer and opens a burger and starts eating it and makes some sort of like snarky comment in the voiceover, like two minutes on the treadmill, twenty minutes on a quarter pounder, and it's like, oh my god, like leave this poor woman alone. Like she's just <laughs> in her own flat, like trying to live her life. It's it's Not just um, to be watched by some weirdo. Yeah, I think it's it's bad. <laughs> it's I bad. Think, it is bad. I think the show received a lot of criticism for this because it was meant to be like this feminist show, like um you know, female led superhero show and then in the first 10 minutes she's fat shaming another woman yeah yeah it's, um, it's just it's, it's not very nice you know like um it is like, sex in the city that's exactly what it is yeah so yeah, you know, like, supporting other women and like immediately it's just like oh this woman's a slut for doing this Rah. yeah she i don't know it's it I, it's weird enough that she's like like I'm like, stop peeping in on people's like private lives anyway. But um, yeah, it's just not very nice. But no. um, but she can definitely kink shame this weird shoe sniffing guy because <laughs> I believe that that woman that he's with is in any any way consenting to participating in his weird shoe sniffing fetish. No. She clearly doesn't know he's in there sniffing her shoes, so he can he can be fully stop. kink shamed. I don't care. He needs to stop. Um, kink shaming is my kink. <laughs> the best, fine. Um, so, Jessica sees um, unnamed man 
as yet. Obviously, we know it's Luke. Um, <laughs> he leaves... well, there he is, Luke Cage. <laughs> I, I was thinking, like, it's like eight minutes when Luke Cage shows up. Like, eight minutes into the first episode. And I like I can't imagine that happening with another character in another show, like such a major character. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose he's... Because he's kind of in it, like, quite a lot, and then disappears for, like, several episodes, yeah. doesn't he? Like, he's not... um. Like, he's, like, obviously a major character, but he's not, like, a main character, I guess. But... Yeah. I don't know. We'll see as we go through the series. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we see him leave the bar with uh, a woman and they go up to his flat. Um, so this is um, the first time we see Jessica having um, like a traumatic flashback. Um, so we see that the lighting changes to purple um i think um obviously the the scene is like shot as though this unnamed man like physically appears next to her and i think it's like important in showing that showing like the reality of like ptsd for people that these aren't just like memories they feel like you're back yeah, in feels like that situation, like yeah, you're in that moment. Yeah, uh, which I think is why it's better than just having like a a voiceover on it, almost like having him like actually appear next to her shows like really makes you feel like how real it is to her. Um, I don't have much more to say about that. If anyone else has, uh, just that we see uh, Jessica doing the calming exercise as well, where she lists the street names. Yeah, um, does that have a proper name? Do either of you know? Uh, no, I, I've just been referring to it as a, a calming exercise. <laughs> I don't know if it has a... I refer to it as a mantra, like, later, but I don't think that's yeah. right either. It's probably just, like, a, a recall exercise. I don't know. Something I tried like to that. look it up, but I didn't really know what I was, like, Googling for, so it didn't really make any sense or I'll give me any answers. Find. Um, so, within see Jessica back in bed obviously in the morning after a long night of perching on a fire escape and drinking whiskey out of a thermos um, so she hears her neighbours arguing upstairs, there's a boot at the ceiling um, yeah. so I know we haven't been introduced to them yet these arguing neighbours I definitely for the first like however many episodes thought they were in a relationship <laughs> Robin and Ru- Ruben? I can't remember yeah, his name. Ruben. Yeah, Ruben. I was like so weirded out when I found out that they're not. I think that, <laughs> I think that was intentional. I don't like it at all. I, just, no. I don't want to have to talk about them. I hate them so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're yelling at each other. She throws a boot at the ceiling and knocks some of the plaster off of her ceiling, which is nice. Um, so Jessica hears someone clattering around in her apartment um and she's i mean at first i was like oh obviously she's scared because there's someone in her apartment but um i think obviously she's we've been shown she's strong enough to like look after herself so i think she's scared because of like a traumatic this traumatic experience we've obviously like not been told about yet if that makes sense that's 
just a, an observation, very basic one. Um, so it turns out it's just Malcolm um, eating peanut butter out of her fridge. <laughs> um, and he's obvious, like very obviously, like visually presented as like a drug addict and someone who does not like have any semblance of sort of having his life together. Yeah. Um, so, oh. as she's kicking Malcolm out, the Schlotmans arrive. Um, it really feels like to me. Um, like, so obviously the, the sort of, um, I don't know, take home message, as it were, of the, um, the episode is that, um, like, phrase that Jessica uses at the beginning and the end about, um, once you know something's, uh, real, you can either keep denying it or, like, do something about it, and that's not the direct quote, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, but she uses it at the beginning when she's talking about the guy finding out his wife mm. is cheating on him and then she uses it obviously at the end of the episode as well um and i think that her that hope's parents attitudes kind of like play into that so it's obvious that her mum has like dragged them out here to find her um mm. and the dad's kind of like in denial but the way that he cares for example about leaving jessica with a broken door and obviously says you know like it's not safe to leave someone in this city alone yeah. um he obviously does care so it would not make sense for him to like genuinely not think his daughter was like missing or think anything was amiss yeah. um i think he's like obviously in denial about it yeah like i don't I know i guess like an understandable reaction you don't want to like face yeah it's kind of like the la 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 everything's fine yeah. it's not fine she'll turn up it's all right I kind of read it as like he's trying to busy himself with stuff, like with helping someone, so he can feel like he's in control of something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true as well. But... Yeah, I think I just put like the Shortmans are like just like a proper stereotypical all Amer- all American family. Like yeah. the husband's like a bit like bumbling, the wives have to tell him off. He's off doing silly things, and then Hope herself is like this track all American like track star with like blonde hair and blue eyes like the typical american girl they are called barbara and barb as well which is like super super typical yeah <laughs> yeah and i feel like hope is quite an american name as well yeah and didn't she have a little brother or something as well called owen owen Oof. we see um jessica doing a bit of research um she discovers apparently hope's only friend um so she goes to her flat to talk to her. Um, Hope's friend is obviously very annoyed um, because she's basically just been left like high and dry by someone who's supposed to be her, like, her best friend. Um, she tells Jessica that um, she's obviously just holed up with that guy. Um, so, which Jessica obviously thinks makes sense. Um I do like the bit where she tells this guy that if he turns the camera back on, she's going to pull his underwear through his eye, which is just <laughs> entertaining. I find I find this character with the camera on his head like very bizarre. Like It's a very weird, minor character. There's no need for him at all, is I, there? I think, you don't I, need Do you it. not feel like all I of the minor the need... characters are like that, though? Like, they're think, all... Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think the need is 
to like show us Jessica's temperament. Yeah, yeah. Because she's just like not having any of it because it is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why it's there. But it, they, I feel like they could have. It's very, very strange. But you don't think she's already been established as like yeah. no nonsense. But as we've learned from Daredevil, and the Netflix Marvel shows aren't very subtle. <laughs> no, that is true. So I think they're just trying to hammer that point home that she is like no nonsense. But I feel like no one would want to put up with someone filming yeah. them on a GoPro on their head. Yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, it, but there are a lot of weird supporting characters in this in this show. I sometimes feel like it's because they wanted to make it like light, like have light-hearted parts. <laughs> yeah. So. We then see uh, Jessica um, obviously on her way to confront Mr. Spheris. Um, he's a dick. That's pretty much what we can surmise about him. Um, I don't really understand how she catches up with his car. At this no, point. I don't he, like, know he like speeds off, and then like two seconds later, she's like next to his car. And how would um, she know which direction he's going in and stuff? It's because it seems quite far away when she meets him. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't, I don't really know, but unless. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. But we'll ignore that. <laughs> um, so I guess this is where we kind of first see um, a much more explicit example of Jessica's strength. So um, he tries to drive off and she just like lifts his fucking car up. <laughs> no shit's given at all. Like a two-ton car. Yeah. And she just <laughs> stops it. Yeah, she... It almost looks like she's only holding it with one hand as well. She's yeah, just like, that's what I thought. Yeah, she's just casual, what... not bothered. Um, so he freaks out. Um, I think this is maybe kind of like another bit showing us again Jessica's like temperament. So he's like freaking out and saying, "Oh, I'm gonna tell people about you." You know, people don't like freaks like. You, I don't. That's exactly what he says, but that's kind of what he so, means. Yeah, it's like you're one of them. You're not normal. Yeah. Um, he's like, you'll have nowhere to hide, and she's like, do I look like I'm hiding? Um, so yeah, she, she obviously just doesn't doesn't care at all. Um, so yeah, she threatens to melt his insides with her laser eyes, um, <laughs> and serves him his summons. So, I think we just then Jessica's asleep in her office. Is that the next scene? I'm not missing anything. No, I think so. Yeah, just cuts. So it just cuts to um, Jessica asleep in her office, and she oh, yeah, has there's a bottle of there's a bottle of whiskey like on the table, and I was like, they drink too much whiskey in both this and Daredevil. It makes me feel sick. I mean. I'm not at least like she is like an alcoholic. Like I feel like in Daredevil they just they just drink too yeah. much. Um, she um asked out on her office desk, and um we see this figure again pull back her hair and lick her face, which is gross. Um, Got that Marty Crouch Junior tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, yes. <laughs> oh no! It's got that oh, no. that nervous twitch. Um, so this is obviously again 
in a similar vein to the flashback that we see have earlier, but obviously this is a nightmare. Um, and she's like, obviously, like terrified and really upset. And it's obviously, it obviously is something really traumatic. We see her again using her, um, like recalling her childhood. I googled it, things. and it's called a grounding technique. A grounding technique. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew I knew I could count on you to find out what it was called. Um, so nothing she's... if not thorough via Google. Yeah. Um, so I think um, e even though we've only seen these flashbacks twice, um, they're very like heavily coded as being related to um, sexual assault, hmm. um, which obviously, as we'll see as we get further on, the show like never shows away from that. Um, I think it's you know obviously something that needs to be talked about more and so it's it, it's good i guess that the show is showing what a real and like traumatizing effect these things yeah. can have on people um so jessica then gets a call from hogarth um and um jessica obviously composes herself and acts as if nothing was wrong because that's what she's like um she uh sorts out the payment and everything with jessica and we are then introduced to hogarth's relationship with pam who i think is currently unnamed in the tv show at this point but i know yeah. that obviously we know she's called pam um so she's i don't know. i'm gonna have to like open a window a minute because i'm literally <laughs> going to die which one's pam the her assistant or a wife yeah pam's the assistant wendy is her wife well, at this point we don't know she's got a wife do we no 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 that's remember so... which bit we were on yeah no okay. so at this point this is a perfect oh, this is when they're like kissing by the window yeah. yeah she's pam like sneaks up behind her and is all like smooching on her neck yeah she gets distracted and compliments jessica and then hangs up quickly to okay. engage in some oh. office loving. <laughs> I ended on a really bum note about um, Hogarth and Pam. I don't really have much else to say about it. It's just kind of established. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Big it's nice game. that we're learning more about these characters' backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and, the, I mean, it's obviously set up, you know, set up in a very not a big deal way that she's in having a relationship with this woman. Mm. It's like a, I know what, a matter of fact. 20 second scene introduced in the way that any other kind of thing would be. Yeah. Um, so Jessica is once again lingering at this bar, but this time she's lurking outside the window like a real creep. <laughs> <laughs> Bang the window. Like. How is she not going to get <laughs> We do that impression that I'm imagining from like the help when the little girl's like <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, why are we like this? It's, produce... it's too warm. I'm trying to have a professional production here. <laughs> um so Jessica's at Luke's bar, um Luke approaches her outside, um she reluctantly agree like sort of agrees to go in. Um she's just doing like double shots of whiskey at the bar like casually as you do as you do looks, again looks disgusting um they're doing both doing some very heavy-handed flirting but 
neither of them would admit it. Um, so, um... Luke says uh, something about it. Uh, no, Jay, uh, one of them says something about it still being Ladies' Night, which is the episode title. Yeah, that is true. So, um, uh... They get to talking about what, what Jessica does. Um, Luke asks her what I know, like what she can tell just by being in his bar, and she makes some sort of joke about a man named Horace eating wings at the bar yeah. several years ago, and Luke says his name was Melvin, which must be a reference to <laughs> Melvin Potter, right? Like, maybe. <laughs> oh. I'm just I feel like he'd love some some chicken wings, wings at, at Luke's bar. <laughs> Have a little. I was going to have a chocolate milk, but actually I don't think chocolate milk would go very nicely with wings. Oh, no. So, no. It would, if they were hot wings. Chocolate's no. good for cooling your mouth down afterwards. Ew, Bobby, no. No. Well, yeah, it is. That's a thing. <laughs> no, 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 it is. No, no, it is. But, like, this is a disgusting milk. combo. I'm not saying you have them at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, because no, but you'd can... ruin the taste of the hot wings with the chocolate milk. It just, like, in your tummy, like, it'd start fucking coagulating. <laughs> yeah. Gross. I'm no. All right, well, no, wrong. next time we go out to eat, you've got to have hot wings and a chocolate milkshake, and you've got to be <laughs> yeah. gladly at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely gladly. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, the... I'm not cleaning your vomit up. Oh, actually, yeah, maybe we won't do that. At my house, the sofa is beige. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it on mine. Mine's red leather. It won't stay. Mm. The floor is wood, though, so I mean, if you're sick on the floor, just wipe up. I'm not going to be sick, because it won't be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just... Fighting words, they are. No, they're not fighting words. It's just, it's just fact. <laughs> it's, just, it's just fact. Simple facts. Spitting <laughs> truths. Anyway, so they have all this ridiculous flirting where both of them are insisting that they're not flirting. Um, and then we have to watch this sex scene. And honestly, like, sex scenes just make me so uncomfortable. I just I don't, I don't even want to. Straight up smashing. I, it is. It is. Full straight on smashing. It is straight, straight up smashing. smashing. Anyway. Serious note. I did see um I did so I did see um an article that I didn't end up reading because I was in the middle of watching the episode. Um but it was about how um <clears throat> about how Jessica Jones as the show deals with um people like getting back into sexual relationships after having been sexually abused, which I, which is what I think this whole bit is like important for. I guess yeah. um, I think obviously what, what you're saying is true um, about her turning away. I just yeah. um, I just don't really like watching sex scenes. I just don't. I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of like I don't really want to watch this. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I can me. watch them quite clinically. Like I don't. I'm not like oh this is sexy or oh it's embarrassing. I'm just like ah so this arm's going over here now. Interesting. I remember being quite shocked the first time I watched Jessica Jones. They cut straight to this because you don't see anything like this in daredevil at all or like any other marvel property yeah it's not um there's no like normally you'd get like the first bit like the lead uh, into it yeah the, 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 torn off yeah and, the kissing and the yeah, it's um just st- straight up smashing yeah it's literally it just cuts through and it's probably you don't need to say wow <laughs> stop it what was that <laughs> Put your Why are you doing like Donkey Kong? <laughs> yeah. DK. Donkey Kong. Hitmonchan hitting the keyboard right in the letter back to Hitmonlee. <laughs> Zoop! 
<laughs> I think he means to insult me. <laughs> <laughs> None of this translates well into a podcast. <laughs> It's a bit on the last one. We've done one. it again. I know. There's a bit on the last one where we I... We managed like... to hold, like, 20 seconds. Anyway. Right, let's just move on. There is. I've, I've written Jessica again <laughs> on my next note. Just FYI. Um, so, Jessica is continuing to investigate Hope here. Um, so, she's investigating card, like, charges made to her credit card, Um so I did notice in this bit that there is a voiceover of Jessica talking about love, exactly as she stood next to a poster of Trish's face. Ooh. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Um, I I can't wait for there to be more Trish. I'm excited. I love Trish. Um, so we see that um, Hope has been and bought some fancy underwear and a fancy tie, I think is the other thing that she buys. Um, and then Jessica obviously um, goes to the restaurant that there's also a charge from on this credit card, which turns out to be a renovated version of a restaurant that she has been to. Um, so she has um, another flashback when the maitre d', I guess, is who the guy is. Um, yeah when he's telling her about all the stuff that happened when Hope was there with this man that she was there with. So the flashback that Jessica has here is a lot more like immersive. Like we see her walking through the restaurant. It then becomes the restaurant as it was when she was there. Um, And we see her at dinner with this man. Um, So she has like a, like a panic attack, um, And this is the first time we don't see her manage to complete her grounding exercise. Like she starts it when she gets outside the restaurant and like can't finish it. She only gets through like two of the street names. Um, And then just basically like runs home. Yeah. Um, She's like obviously absolutely terrified. Um, Um, And now I'm going to be not serious again for one second because I absolutely hate this bit when they use the camera shot from like in front of her face when she's running because it just reminds me of Sir Digby Chicken Caesar, Mitchin <laughs> <laughs> and Webler. I see that, I'm like, I'm like, did no one consume any other media like before watching this because this does not work as like a serious thing. I mean, it's American. They probably haven't watched it, but anyway, we'll go back to being serious because yeah. there was being. <laughs> and I suppose this, like the bit um, when she's mad, remembering them in the restaurants, the first kind of well, like just before as well, when she's talking to Mitch D is the first we hear about what the the baddies' superpowers might be. Like we yeah, we find um, out it's not just yeah. it's not just any any old guy, um, but it's someone that can make you do whatever they want you to do yeah um and obviously it's not like ex- like explicit but you get it as well when obviously we see her like in the flashback um, yeah and he says um you'll love it and she obviously if someone says you'll love something you go like oh well I'm excited to give it a try or something like that whereas yeah. she just goes i will love it and yeah. it's yeah, like, like a little very, robot yeah i think it, it Again, I, I think, and then he says, "Smile," and she smiles, and obviously that's yeah. the theme anyway. Yeah, and it's um, like I said, I think it it 
the show does a good job in this first episode of like establishing a lot without being too unsubtle about it it shows not tells yeah yes exactly which is nice i think it's being mysterious in keeping with the theme of like film noir Mm. yeah that's true yeah so we do start to see um this man's powers um so then jessica runs back to the schlopmans and um asks them asks them a bunch of questions like who specifically sent them to her and they reveal that it was an english man um, at the police station, not an actual police officer. And this d- distresses Jessica because we heard in the flashback that this man spoke with an English accent. Yeah. Um, so she, did she tell them to leave? Yeah, she tells them to get out of here. Yeah, that's what she, yeah. she does. So we then see Jessica uh, frantically packing um, and she tries to buy some plane tickets to New York with um, Hope Schlotman's yeah. credit card. Yeah, <laughs> Very immoral, but she does not give a shit. Um, so we then, so the, the credit card's declined. Um, she's like panicking, thinking through options. She calls Hogarth and asks if she can get like an advance on the pay. But it wouldn't be an advance because she has done the work, I guess. She just asks if she can be like paid now yeah. um, for serving Spherus with his summons. Hogarth says no. Um, Jessica asks for a loan and Hogarth says no you'll have to ask your friends Jessica (laughs) says I don't have any goddamn friends (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we then um, leave Jessica for a very brief second and we see Hogarth stood at like the reception desk with Pam coming towards her and then out of nowhere appears Wendy, who says, we're going to miss our reservation. And it becomes clear that Pam and Hogarth... Uh, I keep on calling her Hogarth. I feel, I feel like I'm doing the, the Netflix um, <laughs> bloody summary thing here, calling her Hogarth and calling everyone by else by their first name. Uh, we obviously see that Jerry Hogarth is, um, well, in a committed relationship with another woman and is having an affair with Pam, the sexy receptionist. <laughs> Um, drama. Um, anyway, so Jessica um, obviously decides to swallow her pride and zoops up to Trisha's apartment. Um, zoop, zoop. Um, I always really want whatever food it is that Trish has laid out here. It looks like like olives, hummus. Looks well tasty. Yeah, crudités and hummus. Yeah. Mm. Crudités and <laughs> Um. That girl seems to be really enjoying it. She's having the time of her life. She looks. Mm. I always think she must be like an intern, maybe, and so she's just like, yeah. she's probably like unpaid. She's like starving, just like shoving she's carrots like, and <laughs> into her mouth. Feet. Um. So we see um, Jessica talking to Trish, um, and we sort of get the beginnings of like establishing their relationship. I still wouldn't say it's made particularly clear, like what's going on between them. Um, so. It, but it does become clear that Trish obviously agreed to pay for Jessica to a therapist um, to try and help her after whatever whatever it was that happened to her. Um, and Jess, in front of Trish, acts like, you know, she calls the therapist a quack um, and says, you know, like $200 an hour for Mulholland 
Mulholland Drive is not one of the places she lived. Um, she like, <laughs> she like, makes fun of this like grounding mechanism that she's been taught by the therapist, even though we as the viewers obviously know that it is actually something she uses and obviously does find helpful. Um, and I think that's because she presumably doesn't want to seem like, I don't know, weak, I guess, in front of Trish. I'm not sure. Uh, so she basically asks Trish for money to run away um to you know get away from this guy trish gives her the money somewhat reluctantly um we then see jess back in a taxi obviously on her way to an airport um so before jess leaves trish's uh trish says to her um i know one thing and that's that you are far better equipped to deal with that monster than some poor girl from omaha so jess decides to go and um you know, rescue hope. So she turns up at this hotel, um, where I would guess the implication was that she'd been been there for a long time when she had been there before, because the um, the doorman like, greets her yeah. greets her by name, um, asks if she's coming to stay again. Um, so she goes into the hotel, sets off the fire alarm goes into the hotel room and finds that um hope is there but she's there alone um so obviously she asks hope how long she's been waiting and she says like five hours like yeah five hours minutes. yeah something yeah. like that um and jess is like oh he you know he's obviously told you not to move and does, does she ask for him by name in this she, yes, that's the, yeah. this is the first time we hear his name. Yeah, so she says, "Is Kilgrave here? Is he here? Is Kilgrave here?" That's what she yeah. says. Um, <laughs> so we obviously have our villain's name now. Um, so she says he told you not to move, and then hopes like I wet the bed, and so that's obviously giving us a bit more of a view into like his powers again. So he's told her not to move, and she literally has not moved. She's yeah. literally. It, she cannot bring herself to move off of this bed. She's been led there for five and a half hours, basically. Um, so Jessica bundles a coat up into a um, fireman's lifts her, essentially, out of the hotel, takes her back to Jessica's office. Um, she, she really tries to fight Jessica off. Yeah, yeah, like, she's really... like, grabbing the door frames and yeah. and literally like screaming and kicking and screaming. Um, but obviously, she's not really a match. For Jessica here. Well, and then she gets knocked out on the door frame. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That is true. I always forget about that bit. I did watch it, but yeah. <laughs> um, so then they're back at Jessica's office, and um, they're, you know, hopes, sort of, trying to talk, I guess, about like what's happened. Yeah. Um, and she says something to Jessica like, "You, you don't know. You don't know what it's like." Jessica's like, "Trust me, I do." Um, she makes her say back to her, you know, it it wasn't, you know, it's not your fault. Like any of the stuff that happened, you know, this is his fault. Um, I think it, it it shows us a bit more about his powers. I think because Hope says she did things she wanted, she didn't want to do, but did want to do at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of it's kind of suggested that it's a compulsion that he he makes you feel, even though there is a part of you there that is still like, no, I don't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Is that how she... Oh, no, she talks about that in the next episode, doesn't she? She talks about mm-hmm. how how it, like, feels. Okay, that's yeah. the next episode. Um, 
so Jessica's obviously very she's very comforting she's like very nice to Hope um Hope's parents turn up and Jessica's like right you need to like get the hell out of here just get as far away as you can um I'm also gonna leave and I'll be right down behind you so Hope and her parents get into the lift and just as the lift door is closing Jessica sees Hope um pull a gun out of her bag and just murders her parents in the lift which is not what I expected to happen at the end of this episode when I first watched it me neither um no me neither so Jessica obviously runs down the stairs reaches the bottom of the stairs as the lift doors are opening um you see Hope basically still just pulling the trigger on the gun even though there's no bullets left um and then she obviously like she she turns to Jessica and says smile as well doesn't she yes she does um and then once she's done that she's obviously like finished the command yeah, I guess. And yeah, that's it's like a com- it's like a completed command, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and she like comes sort of back to her senses, realizes what she's done, and is obviously like screaming because obviously why wouldn't you be? Um, Jessica is also like horrified and just makes the decision that she's gonna run and leave. She gets out to a taxi, about to get in, and then we hear the line um, from the beginning of the episode, which I should have googled to find out what it was so I could actually quote it but I could just put a clip in um, so she talks again about you can keep on denying something or you can do something about it um, yeah. we see her turn back around and go back into the building she's obviously decided she's going to you know she's the person to deal with Kilgrave and she's gonna not run away from the situation and she's gonna stay and she's gonna help and that is the end of Jessica Jones episode one. It's absolutely horrifying the way this episode ends. Yeah. Like just thinking about what this girl must be going through is just doesn't bear thinking about. <laughs> yeah, it's really horrible. Um, no, yeah, I think it's the uh, the the worst thing we've experienced as viewers in the MCU. I do yeah, genuinely remember being like, What the fuck when I watched this first episode. Um it, I think it makes it even worse when you realise that Kilgrave orchestrated this whole situation to make Jessica feel like she'd helped. Yeah. And then it resulted in the deaths of Bob and Barbara Schlotman. Yeah. Um, Pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's just horrible, just absolutely horrible. (laughs) And it shows like a level of knowledge of him, um, of Jessica by Kilgrave, and that he's willing to exploit that to make her feel like the ultimate pain yeah and some serious premeditation as well yeah on his part he's Um, a nasty man he's a nasty piece of work so jessica jones season one episode two aka crush syndrome jessica vows to prove hope's innocence even though it means tracking down a terrifying figure from her own past uh this episode has been rated 8.3 out of 10 on imdb it has a runtime of 52 minutes Directed again by S.J. Clarkson and written by Micah Schraft. Um, so, uh, we start off this episode with Jessica in um, an interrogation room with 
Clements. Clements, yeah. Is that the guy? Yeah, that's the guy's name. Detective yeah. Clements? Yeah, detective, isn't he? Um, so she's being questioned about um, Hope killing her parents, um, and she's typically Jessica Jimsy yeah. about the interrogation. She's very standoffish. Um, so the detective has um, all of Jessica's pictures of Luke. Um, and I did write here, are they just allowed to go in her apartment and, st- and take stuff? But she obviously makes that point, and then he's like, oh, well, it's part of a crime scene. But I'm like, are you still just allowed to, like... I think he, he says it in a way that's, like... Flippant. Yeah, flippant, yeah. Like, um, we shouldn't have really, but we can justify it if we need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, seems seems a bit dodgy. Um, so Jessica says, you know, he has nothing to, nothing to do with this, um... And they, um, she goes, I guess. Um, she then goes to Luke's, obviously, to see what's going on. There's a police car outside. Um, he's being shown the pictures, interrogated as well. Um, you know, asking if he knows, um, if he knows Hope, if she came in the bar, presumably. I don't know. We don't see what they say. Um, so he kind of confronts Jessica when she goes in there about like why she has all the pictures um, and she says that she took them because she was hired to by Gina yeah. I think is the woman's name Gina's husband because he thought that she was cheating on him um, so Jessica leave the, the part I the quote I picked out from this scene between Luke and Jessica is when he's like get out of here and get the hell away from me. I was like, oh, that's a good start for the Defenders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Among other things that we'll come to learn about uh, Jessica and Luke, but (laughs) just not a great start. No. So we then um, see Jessica back at her apartment. Um, Again, we have like the the sort of voiceover, her talking about being better off being alone, especially when Kilgrave is around. Um, And this very, like, again, with the unsubtle imagery. We need, um, like, a, a ham-fisted soundbite. Yeah, we really do. Really what, do. Just, like, ham hitting the sides or something. Ugh, like a wet wall. slap of meat <laughs> against the wall. We'll get a Roadhog soundbite. That's <laughs> all. For um, all our Defenders slash Overwatch fans. Yeah. Which I'm sure there I are. I bet there's many. a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, this bit when she's talking about um, about Kilgrave and then there's a cockroach, which she grossly like touches and flicks in the sink. I'm like, yeah, she like puts her head that. against the wall, like, mm. and then like, like I, flicks. It I into do the want sink. to say, I feel like if Jessica flicked a cockroach, it would just explode. <laughs> it wouldn't just be flicked away like a normal human. I feel like it would just be obliterated, <laughs> be absolutely destroyed. And then the whole metaphor would fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I just I just thought it was like I was like, this is very heavy handed yeah. <laughs> with the uh, cockroach imagery yeah. here. Um, oh and then it like crawls had... down the sink. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a gross pink sink. Poor little cockroach hasn't done anything wrong. It's not paying any rent to be in that flat, is it? <laughs> Fucking freeloader. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so after that, um, we see Jessica at the prison. Um, she's talking with Hope, um, 
about Kilgrave. Hope says that um, that Kilgrave made her jump for hours and said that she was never as good as Jessica. It seems very like um, I don't know it's like giving us a bit more of a picture of kind of how sadistic he is because obviously you'd only need to get someone to jump once to know that they're not as good as Jessica yeah. Jones and yet he makes her stand there for like, well, well stand jump there for like hours Hope basically reveals to Jess I feel weird calling her Jess Jessica um that JJ JJ um I'm good to that for Mars um so Hope obviously basically reveals that um Kilgrave has is obviously like obsessed with Jessica, you know, he's still um thinking about her and that this whole like thing with Hope's parents is obviously to get to Jessica. Um so then we go like very dark for a moment. Um when Hope tells Jessica that she should kill herself. Yeah. Um basically to stop Kilgrave like you know using other people to pursue her um I, I don't know I guess you kind of get that like look from Jessica that maybe she like it's not something that she like hadn't considered before um but then she just says to Hope she says uh yeah you're probably right but I'm the only person that knows you're innocent so mm. like and then she leaves but yeah it's pretty like like what like two minutes into the episode at this point yeah the, the the actor that plays hope is so good like she delivers it all so well and like there's just that yeah, like she's not very old is she no, there's like that utter like she's completely tortured but she's still young like and you see that she's all conflicted and yeah she's really good and the way the way she delivers the line you should kill yourself is really really good i like her a lot yeah she's good um so we then next see Jessica talking to Hogarth and trying to get Hogarth to defend Hope. Um, Hogarth basically says, this is a losing case. I don't take on losing cases. Um, you know, like there's no, there's no defense here. Um, and then I can't, I couldn't really work out. So Hogarth makes some kind of like, witty retort to what Jessica says about um uh, about Kilgrave being able to control people she says um oh yeah you know if there really is someone who could control minds um I'd get him to do all my jury selection for me and Jess like loses her temper and like slams her fist down on the table like this isn't a joke um and I can't work out if Hogarth is like intimidated by her or actually like thinks oh this obviously matters to her so I'm gonna help couldn't like work out what the bit of both maybe yeah maybe Jessica just no. says she'll owe her a favour though doesn't she if yeah. uh, Hogarth helps which I think is but what she, yeah, I mean, she, like entices her yeah she yeah I mean she just becomes like slightly more receptive like I don't, like after. her eyes get bigger and she's like a favour it's like bloody um, the Marquis de Carabas in um, what's it called Everywhere. London Below Neverwhere. Yes. When he's like, oh, a favour. Mm, favours. I'm like, what's favours going to do? I don't know. Maybe Jessica's very expensive for Hogarth's law firm, so 
Well, it's not like they've got no fucking money. Maybe it's that um, Hogarth hasn't really seen Jessica care about anything before. Possibly true. Yeah. Um, So anyway, all this time Pam is lingering outside the door telling Hogarth that her wife is on the phone. Um, And then as Jessica leaves, Pam comes back in and says, you need to speak to your wife. She knows. And then she does like the meaningful eyebrow raise. Um, So obviously Wendy has discovered that Jerry is having an affair. So we'll see where that goes. We're all involved. (laughs) Um, So then see um, Trish confronting Jessica on the street. Um, They walk together into Jessica's apartment. Um, You know, Trish says to Jessica, you know, I give you exactly what you need and you can't even give me a minute of your time to talk to you. Um, So they end up back at Jess's apartment. Jess gives Trish the money back that she borrowed from her. Um, Which, because then Trish says, uh, you're not trying to be insulting, but you're succeeding. Or something along those lines. And I'm like, I don't... I don't know. Is it insulting I, to like give someone their money back? I don't know. I didn't really get that part. No, I didn't either. Like, it just seemed a bit like. Maybe it's more like Trish is just like, you don't have to. When I maybe, lend you money, I don't expect to get it back. Maybe it was that she said this thing about giving her everything she asked, and then she'd only give her a minute, and then as soon as they got to Jessica's apartment, Jessica just gave her the money back, kind of like a dismissal. Oh yeah, possibly. possibly. Yeah, that's not very true. clear though, is it? No. Unless no. we're all confusing. All of us are all incredibly fake. dense. Yeah. Um, so they have a conversation, um, which I can't remember most of. But um, so Jessica basically says, like, I want you to stay away from me, um, you know, because Kelgrave could send, like, anyone after me. Like, I'm not safe wherever I am, so the people, like, around me also aren't safe. Um, and she says the line, I can't risk you when she's talking to Trish so we obviously know that she does like love and care for Trish very deeply um, and you know she's just I think it is she's obviously like a bit of an abrasive person like anyway but she's kind of amplified that to try and keep people away to try and keep them safe and I think we're starting to see that a bit more in this episode. Jessica just tells Trish about her quote-unquote plan to get Kilgrave which is literally like I'm going to get him <laughs> <laughs> that's my plan a solid plan <laughs> Um. so we then are at, back at Luke's bar um, and Gina, the married woman is um, sitting at the bar um, very heavily flirting um, I swear she asks him to like Go up. I swear it's like light outside. And she's like, "Hey, want to go upstairs?" Like <laughs> he's just gonna like leave the bar in the middle of the afternoon, you know, duty call time. But I don't know, maybe that's the kind of guy he is. Who knows? Um. So Luke obviously says to her, um, like, "I don't, I don't play with liars. Like, why? You know, I know that you're married." Um, and he says that he knows because um her husband hired a private investigator. So she obviously rushes off um or worried we don't really see any more of that <laughs> um so 
but I didn't see any more of that at that point. That's what I mean. Um, then at Jessica's apartment, and she's looking through um, like a folder that she has tucked away on the top shelf, um, which has sort of all the information from I don't know the Kilgrave incident, I guess. It's, in it, it's not as egregious as the conspiracy board in Daredevil, but that great it's big not. yellow note with Kilgrave written like a child is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her handwriting is um not not good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just still laughing about that. <laughs> Kilgrave. Um, so we see that she's got a newspaper article about a woman called Reva Connors dying in um, a bus accident. Um, and it is, for the eagle-eyed viewer, the same woman who there is a picture of in Luke's bathroom cabinet that she spots after they sleep together. And she also has in there a picture of Luke at a funeral that she's obviously taken. Um, so she's obviously trying to concentrate, and her neighbours upstairs are having a blazing row. And so she makes the ill-fated decision to walk up the stairs and confront Robin and Reuben. Um, my main note for this is, honestly, who the fuck brought up these characters? Like... They are so pointless. What place do they have in this universe? I hate them. They, <laughs> it's just. I I like, think they're meant to be why is comic he in relief. His saggy underwear, like, but they're not funny. Yeah, they're meant to be comic relief, but they're so disparate with the rest of the show that they just take they just take me out of it completely. And like, I don't know. Robin seems like abusive towards yeah. him as well. Yeah. Like she's like horrible, and it's just that the whole thing. I'm just like. Why? Why do these characters exist? Yeah, and I, she also thinks cordon I, bleu means chicken, which yeah, it does there not. Is that as well. <laughs> no. There's just everything about her is just so. She's just horrible. She's just like a horrible person. She's not funny. She's just no. like frustrating. Yeah, I just I don't. Yeah, I do. I I do not appreciate them as characters. Anyway, um, so Jessica goes back downstairs. Um. And we're shown uh, a flashback to the bus accident. It's uh, so she's wearing like a fur-trimmed coat, I think. Um, and you see, she's got like bloody hands, and she's obviously distressed and like walking away from Kilgrave, who is calling after her. Then the bus flips over, and he gets hit. Um, and then it's sort of <laughs> the way the way Kilgrave gets hit. It's like really funny. I think. <laughs> like it's, flies off the. It's like doink. <laughs> <laughs> also, we get like a little slow mo, Jessica here. Not oh, the not the, way he says not the ultimate slow mo Jessica from later in the season, but it's still like Jessica. Oh, yeah, yeah, it the way he says it, it's awful. It's <laughs> such an emphasis you on like the K. You, you can imagine the spit like flying <laughs> yeah. from his mouth yeah. as, as he says it. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Barty Crouch Jr.? Yeah. Like, Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> yes, father! It is me! I'm going to tell you now that that noise is not going to translate well into the podcast. Filth! That, alongside the, the sound of a wet hand slapping into a wall. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. 
anyway, so there's so we have the flashback, and there's a, quite a cool um, like transition between the two scenes in the literally just transitions into Jessica in the, the here and now being at the site of the bus accident. Um, once again, my issue with the Netflix shows, this man is speaking Polish, so of course the subtitles yeah. just say speaks Polish. That's um, helpful for everyone involved. Um, she asks the... She, I feel like this is a weird way of phrasing it. She's like, if I get hit by a bus, which hospital do I go to? Yeah, not just like, what's the closest not, why would hospital? You not, yeah, why would you not just say where's the nearest hospital? Well, it's maybe it's because she means like where's the nearest one with accident emergency. Maybe not all hospitals have A and E, do they? True, um, but she could have said which is the closest hospital the nearest, with nearest an emergency A&E. room. Yeah, it just it's just like a a very weird way of phrasing the question. But anyway, um, so the Polish guy does say, uh, in a kind of similar sentiment to uh i guess like telling women to smile he's like rude girl is lonely girl and she's like counting on it um i mean she is kind of rude but then at the same time like who cares if she's lonely maybe she doesn't care yeah she doesn't she doesn't want any friends so <laughs> um so then she she's obviously told that the nearest hospital is metro general that's where everyone would go yeah. so she heads to metro metro general and Me- oh, I missed metro it. general is the hospital from Daredevil, right? That Claire works Yes, in. it is. Yeah. Because when I first watched this, I was like, ah! Claire! She's coming! Ah! Ah! And I watched this whole scene, and then she didn't turn up, and I was like, oh. I was like, so disappointed. <laughs> like, it was not ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I was... Like, I was I was genuinely, like they said, Metro General, and I was like, she's coming. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be here. And then, and then she wasn't. I was, I was very upset. <laughs> uh, so... Jessica um, basically impersonates a nurse who really loves pink scrubs with hearts all over them. I feel like these <laughs> scrubs would be so distinctive that people would know which nurse wore them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like that that's true as well. Um, I also feel like would you would they not just have like standard issue scrubs? Like, would you be allowed to wear like scrubs with hearts all over them? Who knows? Um, they don't even match the bottoms. That's what annoys me the most. She couldn't get any like I, matching crazy love heart bottoms. I do like seeing Jessica being like a sneaky detective. Yeah. And like yeah. you she's know, so good like at she's lying. getting into the hospital and like seeing what she needs to use and you know, just being yeah. a sneaky Finding sneak. a way around it. Yeah. I also yeah. like I feel like the main application of her super strength is just breaking locks. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it comes in handy. I wish I'd start, I do like the bit in the first I wish I'd started a count from the beginning because I think this I think at the, by the end of this episode, she's broke like three, maybe four locks. Could always, uh, you can always introduce it if you yeah, want. Like, we can do it from the next back. one. I do like in um, in the first one when she like breaks the lock on Hope's roommate's flat, and then it just she like shuts. It. She's like, oh, it was open, and then she shuts it, and the handle just falls off. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so she disguises herself as this nurse. Um. You know, gets into the system for um the bus like the date for the bus accident um and she discovers that Kilgrave wasn't processed through the hospital the only people who were were the bus driver and Reva Connors who we obviously already know is dead um so after this she um she heads home 
So we see her at her apartment. As she's approaching the door, there's like clattering inside the door of her apartment. Um, and smashes the door basically into <clears throat> a man with a power tool waiting behind it. Um, and like really badly injures him. And then it turns out that he was sent by Trish to fix the door. Um, which I think is really bad on Trish's part. She, like She does she, ring Jessica in the scene before, though, doesn't she? And Jessica just puts it down. Oh, that's true, yeah. I forget about that. But I still think I would... I don't. I think I would confirm yeah. with someone first, like especially given that Jess in the scene like before that said to her, like it literally could be anyone that yeah. Kilgrave has sent to come after me, like the the FedEx woman, like the cab driver. So we then see, um, obviously, Jessica rings Trish and is like, "Why the fuck did you send this like strange man over to my house? Like when I'm not there." Um, so we see Jessica. At, um, Trish, rather, obviously at the radio station doing some evening work, and her assistant, uh, assistant producer, I don't know who this guy is, this bloke, um, <laughs> tells her that uh, she should probably cover up, and we see that she's got, like, huge bruises, like, all over her arms, yeah. um, which we don't know the source of yet. Um, Do you think, like, that's, that's to make us think that she's being abused or something? Um, yeah, possibly. Because um, that's what I... The first time I watched it, I remember thinking, oh my god, she's being abused. Maybe it's Kilgrave. Yeah. Maybe Kilgrave's got her. Because I don't know why otherwise you would... Well, yeah. I think that must be what it is. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm glad they don't like... Because obviously they show where they've come from at the end of this episode, so at least it's not sort of like played on for no. too long, I guess. Um. So we then see um, Jessica on the subway, uh, where she's she obviously is like very anxious. She's like looking around at the people that are on the train. She's very like jumpy, at, like you know, even like children laughing and like people talking and stuff. Um, and then she has like another flashback. Where obviously, again, the lighting goes very purple, and um, I can't remember what it is that Kilgrave says in this flashback. But he he sort of appears almost in the subway window, um, and then she smashes the subway window, and everyone gasps and looks at her. Um, but she's obviously having a having a hard time, bless her. Um, so she's obviously getting the subway out to visit um, the ambulance driver. Um, so she's trying to find out. Um, so she she learns from uh, the ambulance driver's mother. This guy um, turned up at the scene of the bus crash and then went like AWOL with the ambulance. Um, and it turns out that he donated both of his kidneys to someone, and then had a stroke um, because of the obviously the stress of donating both your kidneys. Um, and so now he's obviously wheelchair bound and is obviously hooked up to um, a hemodialysis machine because obviously that's what you need when you don't have any kidneys. Um, so she's trying to find out about the hemodialysis Oh, no, I have skipped a bit there. No, that's the next part. Yeah. So she obviously, she finds out um, like the um, make of the hemodialysis machine obviously for later to try and find out who it is that's um, leased it. 
to uh, for the ambulance driver um, and whilst the ambulance driver's very religious mother Ooh. who I, I'm very like um, I really hate this bit when she says oh I was always praying for him to come back home and like God works in mysterious ways like because he sent my son back to me like because he had a stroke and was like manipulated by someone horrible it's just really like oh yeah she's awful really like how up. many it's pictures nice. of jesus can you have in one house a lot apparently but i don't understand why does it explain this later and was i too tired to notice but why does Kilgrave go to the effort of getting someone to provide this man with some medical equipment? Like, um, what is the point? Why Kilgrave, don't you just let him die? Does Kilgrave tell him to supply it, or does that does that guy supply it because he feels bad about well, that would having taken his kidneys sense. out? I think I don't think it's explained. No, I don't think it is because obviously, so she she tracks the. Um, Obviously, skip ahead a little bit, but she tracks the hemodialysis machine to this Dr. David Carata, um, and obviously it turns out he was forced by Kilgrave to do the transplant, so I imagine this guy is probably racked with guilt that he took two, took kidneys. two kidneys out of this guy, right. so he, that makes a lot more I think, sense. is probably... I was like, why has Kilgrave done this? Because surely, like, he would not care that... No, I don't think he would. He's literally, obviously, we're shown later in the season, killed lots of people evil he does not care this um, this scene with jack i think really like even though we're only in the second episode i think it 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 really starts to build how horrible kilgrave is because yeah. like he's just totally destroyed yeah. this like young emt's life just to save himself except he hasn't even really saved himself because as we learn later in the episode yeah. um this guy isn't even like a a match for him, I don't. I don't know what it is they match for with kidneys. Um, he's not a match anyway, um, and so he's gonna have to have someone else's kidneys, like in the near future. Yeah. It's, it's, it's and quite he could up. have just um, had one kidney, but he had to have two. Yeah, I do. I do um, find the line that Jessica says to him as well a bit. I'm slapping the wall. Sound. God, uh, didn't do this. The, the devil, devil did. did. Especially and like, seen as, and I'm going to find it. Especially seen as we've just come from Daredevil, Daredevil. it's like really yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, it's um. I think even because obviously, oh, well, I mean, I know that you and I were still rewatching Daredevil like religiously, somewhat at this point. But like, even coming with a gap between the end of Daredevil season one and like the beginning of Jessica Jones, it was still like a very it just still felt very like obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean it did for me and I, I only watched Daredevil like once before I watched yeah. Jessica Jones, so And the first thing yeah. I thought was like, hmm, this is an interesting thing to say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um obviously I guess we can't kind of leave this scene without mentioning so this the only way this man can obviously communicate is by um like writing on a like pen like on a notepad. Um, he obviously starts to write the letters K-I-L and Jessica assumes he's going to write Kilgrave and she's like yeah Kilgrave like, Kilgrave did it I know like where can I find him um, and then he actually writes kill me and it's it's like horrible yeah. it's like really horrible yeah. to watch um, you know like you really see that he has like 
destroyed this guy's life and there's nothing he can do about it he's like trapped there living with his mother who thinks that that him being sent back to her is some kind of like it's like god's will uh, it's just yeah it's, it's really horrible it's like it's like quite hard to watch um so anyway then we see um jessica um trying to find out information about the hemodialysis machine she calls up the service number basically tells them that it's so i think she says it's not dialysizing <laughs> which <laughs> not very technical um obviously tries to get someone to call her back uh, so she can get the information she wants um so she's then confronted at her door by um gina who obviously we saw earlier I, um, in that last scene i don't know what they did in the scene, but I did write a note, Robin and Rubin, please go away forever. I think she calls Jessica a Oh, cougar. she's 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 in yeah, yeah, she's cause she's walking into the building and um I think Ruben maybe says hi or something uh, and she's like Hands off my brother Lush Yeah and I'm like Okay. No. No. <laughs> um I just hate them. No, yeah, just... <laughs> but after she says like uh, Robin's like it's no wonder you're alone or whatever, and Jessica's like you're a very perceptive asshole. It's yeah, like, it's a really shit comeback. Yeah, it's, it's like she knows that Robin's right, and she doesn't really know how to. Yeah, um, just because Robin's right doesn't make me doesn't make me like her anymore. Oh no, no, she's, we can, she's still we awful. Can hate people, yeah. even if sometimes um, they are right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Gina um comes to Jessica's front door, confronts her about um you know, she says, I went you know, I um spoke to my husband and he didn't hire a PI, but obviously now that I've told him he does know that I was <laughs> cheating, cheating he does know that I was cheating on him. Sure I'm fucking um, and it. Jess Yeah, and Jessica's like, Well, I didn't ruin your marriage, you know, that was that was all on you. Um but obviously that tells us as the viewers that, you know, there's obviously some other reason that Jessica has been, you know, following Luke. Um, and you know, she's obviously picked up this information along the way because obviously Gina was married and was taking off her wedding ring before she went to see Luke. But that's not why Jessica was there. She's there of her own volition. Um, so Jessica finds out that um, uh, Gina's husband and all a bunch of his Rugby, rugby mates, mates? Yeah. like yeah, I was like, do, do people play rugby in America? Apparently, I, obviously they do. Maybe that's why they said um, like rugby because like rugby is harder than American football because you don't wear so much padding. No, but in American, yeah, but American football, football they, play, hit, uh, they hit each other like fucking trucks. Yeah, that's why they need pads bigger, <laughs> normally. Actually, the pads are worse. You end up with worse concussions in American football because they um, don't take as much care because they're like, oh, I've got a helmet yeah. on. <laughs> this will protect me. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that's irrelevant. The, the, big, the impression isn't they're big guys. They're some big dudes. Um, so Jessica rushes off to Luke's defence and manages to conveniently arrive at the exact same time that uh, things are kicking off. Um, so obviously there's a, a sort of fight scene. Luke is putting like, at, like he's not even like pretending I, I, that this is hard for him. He's just like, 
Yeah. Arms, like just like casually I love, like, batting people away. I love how casual he is in this scene. Like, <laughs> he just looks so done. He's like, I'm gonna have to tidy up after this. Yeah. I'm like, man. <laughs> he's he's exhausted. He's had enough. But he's just like really nonchalantly like flipping him around and pushing him over and that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And you can you can see that he is clearly watching Jess as she's fighting. Like when she like throws that guy across the bar with like one hand. Um. And then she's watching him when that guy oh yeah a the first guy smashes a bottle over his head and nothing happens and the next guy's like like jabbing it in his neck and he's like it didn't cut and then luke like like he like grabs the back of his head and smashes it into his knee i I really hate that line where he stabs him we see that it doesn't cut luke and the guy goes (laughs) it didn't cut And then, Do we need some more then sparks the camera. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get a. Um, we're definitely gonna have to get a sound going for the ham. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they then. So they finish the fight. The guys pick themselves up and leave, um, and then Luke says to Jess. Um, with like a kind of i don't know it feels like a significance to it he's like um like this shit's bad for business and like obviously it's about the fight but i also feel like he's like people are uncomfortable with people with abilities like and that shit's bad for business that's that's how i kind of the implication heard it yeah that's yeah i think i think that's assume that's what you're meant to and we're not just like reading too much into it <laughs> um so we then cut to the next morning jessica's asleep she receives a uh, a call regarding the dialysis machine which she answers what <laughs> <laughs> and then pretends to be like professional um and so she finds out who leases the machine for the ambulance driver but i feel like that is not the kind of information that they should be like giving out like you know like do they not have data protection in America? Do they just not give a shit? I think Who they knows? probably do, but for the ease of the show, they do not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we find out it's a Dr. David Karata. Um, she then goes to um, a university. We're not told what university, but I feel like we're meant to think it's like a bit of a shit university. Yeah. I would say so. Like but that is the most depressing college class I have ever seen represented on well, yeah, television yeah, in so my you, life. So you look at the outside of the building, and it's um, it's like a ugly, brutalist structure. Um, no shade, University of East Anglia. Um, and then and then you go into the class, and there's like six students, and he's telling them how crap they all did on their tests. <laughs> um, Jessica comes and sits down. He obviously starts to look very flustered and then just straight up runs away um i don't understand why he runs to a basement like that's not an escape route maybe he's a mole man i feel like jessica should be able to catch up with this guy like can't she run really 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 fast you would assume so and this guy's like a chubby college professor but anyway they're having they end up in the basement um and so, mysteriously, there is this strange, like, purple lighting in the basement, which gives this, like, very ominous feel, because obviously it's very 
you know been told that that's like associated with the flashbacks um so so it says here um jessica mentions a forged death certificate for kilgrave but what i was wondering is we know that later in the season is when she learns that kilgrave isn't his real name and she learns that his real name is Kevin. So what does it say on this forged death certificate? Just Kilgrave. K, K Grave. Like, <laughs> just, he's like Prince, he's just got one name. Um, yeah, which... I like, I don't know where she would have... I'm very confused. Like, where did she find the death certificate if he didn't get registered in the hospital? And if she didn't know his name before... I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. And also, I find it weird, like... So, he was, I mean, I guess obviously he'd be under his control, so he wouldn't ask what his name was, but she'd be like, what's your name? And he'd be like, just Kilgrave. Like, Mr. Kilgrave, or... Kilgrave, comma, anyway. Kilgrave. <laughs> K. Kilgrave. <laughs> um, so, the, so they have a, con- they're talking about, um, uh, what, what the doctor did, obviously in terms of the the transplant and taking the kidneys from the um, the EMT and the doctor mentions that Kilgrave watched him the whole time through the surgery um, and reveals that he wouldn't accept general anaesthetic and that he would he had the whole operation done um, with what's it called the thing in your back um, I can't remember what it's called epidural that's it that's the one he has an epidural. I was just like, pregnancy, um, pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy. Yeah, no, I, was, oh, I, I, like, I was going to say epidural. I was like, no, that's this. something else. No, no, it is an epidural, yeah, but but I think it is most commonly used in having babies. Yeah. Um, so Jessica uh, like formulates the plan, obviously, that um, you know, she realises that Kilgrave obviously, I guess, knows that general an- anaesthesia like sort of obviously has some effect on his powers um so she gets the names of some anesthetics and decides on her plan of attack um so we then see um yeah she rings hogarth doesn't she so karate can tell her about kilgrave yes yeah i was yeah that's the the i missed a segue there (laughs) yeah so she rings she calls hogarth um gets him gets Karata to speak to her, which obviously goes some way towards convincing Hogarth because we then see her visiting Hope in prison. Hope reveals to Hogarth at this point that Jessica is also one of Kilgrave's victims, which obviously Jessica hasn't told Hogarth. Um, and Hogarth obviously just kind of glosses over it, like doesn't make a point of it. Um, uh, we don't see much of their conversation, am I right in thinking? It's just a very she just says like start from the beginning and then we like fade away from the scene um so then back in jessica's apartment um she opens the um the new like glass panel that trish has had made for her with alias investigations written on the door i will say that i think the door that trish picks is nicer than the one that jessica had previously (laughs) I would Not say that Trish probably has side. much better taste than Jessica does. Yeah, I, and that is what Trish's mum 
Trish's mum says. I would say Trish has better taste than anyone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. True that. Yeah. Apart from that, like, questionable cat jumper she's wearing in Avengers Academy, <laughs> which I would still love to see Rachel Taylor wearing. So, <laughs> so like, loungewear. <laughs> um, so Jess has, like, a very sweet little smile when she sees the door panel and she calls, um, she calls Trish and makes some snarky comment about how, like, the font isn't the same or something, which I guess... Trish probably knows is Jessica's way of saying thank you. Because yeah. she seems incapable of actually doing it properly. <laughs> um, so Trish obviously says she's exercising um, and Jess again makes some joke about how yoga is not exercise, it's just stretching. Um, but then Trish goes back into her like home gym with her personal trainer and she's obviously learning uh, Krav Maga yeah. um, which is like pretty brutal from my understanding of it yeah. and obviously we see that that's where she's obviously getting all these bruises from that she's um i think she's she's not she's obviously not dismissive of what um what jessica's gone through but she's very um she's very like pragmatic about it and she's obviously taken you know kind of taken jess's experience on on board to a certain level and decided to like take measures to like learn to defend herself which is good i guess uh anyway so then we get our first real look like well not even a real look you can see like the, the back of his head i think uh at at kilgrave so we see him knock at someone's door um and the guy opens the door and he's like yes who are you and he's like you'd like to invite me in and he's like, absolutely. Um, I find this, this. I think it's really effectively done, like the characterization of him as a villain, because this whole bit is just so creepy. Yeah, the bit, like the bit with the kids, especially. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's like fucked up. Um, all very like, off-putting, isn't it? It, it always yeah. makes me think. Like in the scene, then when I watched it the first time, it's like I think about this family, like yeah, these kids having been forced to be in the closet for however long, like however long he stays there. Yeah, then the like he tells the little girl to like just go to the toilet in there. So then other kids like go into go into the toilet in front of each other in there, like for the same length of time, and it's just horrible. Yeah, um, and just the like. It, I mean, it's obviously not in, in the grand scheme of him, like, invading this family's home. It's not, like, a big thing. But just, like, the disrespect with which the wife, or, you know, not necessarily a wife, the woman in the family has been sat there obviously doing something at the table, and he just pushes it all to the floor, yeah. and they're, like, the whole time there, like, smiling and, like, pouring him wine and making him food. We, we, um, we're just being shown that he just doesn't regard other people at all. Like, he's just got no, they're no all just feeling for to him, yeah. aren't they? It's just... Yeah. Just completely at his disposal. Well, like Jack um, Dance and the EMT as well. Yeah, exactly. They're just for his use. Uh, yeah, it's um, I think it's very effective. Yeah. And obviously, like I say, we don't actually see like his face in this scene where we the camera is like following him the whole time, and then like comes out to the side of him and obviously shows us like him very like sinisterly wiping off this knife yeah. on a napkin. Um. 
yeah, it's just it's just very unsettling. This whole scene. Um, so then we go back to Jessica's apartment. Um, we she um, we continue, I guess, the voiceover part from the beginning of the episode, and then uh, once again the uh, the metaphorical cockroach <laughs> crawls back out of the drain. What um, could it mean? <laughs> um, and then she squashes it with her thumb. So, um, but obviously she does talk a bit about, um, you know, knowing how, you know, how she knows his weakness now, and you know she's gonna, she's gonna fight him. Um, so then she comes out of her bathroom, and Luke, the creep, is like waiting for her in the front room. Um, he's just like. I do quite like, he's like, I saw you. And she's like, yeah, well, that's what happens when you break into someone's house. (laughs) (laughs) I do quite like that. Um, This whole, I've I've literally just written, I've not even written anything about it, I've just written this whole angle grinder abs thing. (laughs) When she's just got... He's so over the top. I know, he could have done... I guess it's there because of the door. I guess. But But he's plugged in. I thought he just brought it with him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she's never gonna believe me unless i bring a power tool <laughs> no but i don't know what you'd need it for for like repairing yeah. a door but yeah it's it's that's obviously what it's there for um, but why does he have to do yeah, it on his abs as well like he's just showing off <laughs> check out these washboard yeah. abs <laughs> <laughs> yeah the whole thing is a bit um but it it's a bit much and then we get to yeah. the part when he says you can't fix me I'm unbreakable. (laughs) It's easily one of the cheesiest lines in this series. And that is, if I have one complaint about this series, it's that there are some seriously fucking cheesy lines throughout it. And this is one of them. It's really weird because, like, I feel like a lot of it is written really well. Like, and really, it's really grounded, I think, in reality, even though it's about superheroes. But then they just insert these, like, really comic booky lines that just don't fit in. I think I think we like when obviously we watched this in on the day it came out. I'm sure that we mentioned yeah. this. Like we're both like, what what are these lines yeah. that are like introduced sometimes? I, I think I've probably still got my notes from when I first watched it. I should find those out. You should. I I definitely made some. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just it's um. It's just very cheesy. Yeah. That's my like, main comment. Just very cheesy. Um, and Jessica gives some kind of waifish gasp <laughs> at his raw sexuality. <laughs> I would too. And, uh, and then that's and then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's um it's picked up quite quickly mm-hmm. into the second episode. Um, you know, we're being very quickly shown like the effect, like the devastating effect that this villain like has on people's lives. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't, if anyone has any closing statements. Yeah, I like this episode. It, like, I, I can't. I don't think I realised that you find out his weakness so soon in the series. Yeah. I do like that the the picture of what Kilgrave is like is being built through this episode, and that we actually get to see it firsthand as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, I, I obviously didn't really mention it, but obviously, so when we see the flashback of um, the bus accident as well, we obviously see Kilgrave 
saying like Jessica come back here come back here now um and she just like carries on walking away which I guess if you were like very astute you could I like I certainly didn't pick up on this the first time I watched it you could pick up on the fact that we're being shown that he like wasn't controlling her at that point yeah yeah but which is obviously which would obviously then tell us why he's not pursuing her directly because he he knows he can't control her Anyway, um, I think why I like this episode a bit more than the first one is just because I probably I would say that I like them equally. Wait, hang on, I thought you said you like this one less. Yeah, than the you first said one. you like the first episode more. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> so you like this one? So you like this one? So you like this one less? I like them both the same, but you made me pick one over the other, so I just, well... just chose the first one. <laughs> um, and that's, I think I I um. I like the end of the first episode so much. Yeah. Because it's just such a ah shit just got real like really real like it like it just like it's just like next level ah yeah whereas this one ends with you can't fix me I'm unbreakable power tools (gasps) to the tummy ooh (laughs) yeah Um, I think the, the first episode does have a very like piloty ending even though it's not a pilot no it's like oh we've got to keep the viewers going like hook them yeah. in hook them in but i suppose yeah. like if even even though it's not a pilot it's technically is it's a pilot for the viewers I mean, yeah it still has to do the job of a pilot but it's obviously not in technical terms yeah a pilot so but yeah it's got to got to keep those people watching yeah uh, but yeah i've I like them both the same, really. These two episodes, I don't. Okay. <laughs> you just made me choose. Sorry. It's, uh... We don't don't have any time for wishy washy. I like them all the same nonsense on this podcast. <laughs> I don't like them all the same. I just don't have any particular <laughs> strong feelings about these two episodes either way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to stamp that nonsense out as soon as it <laughs> as soon as it rears its head. Uh, anyway, so. Um... Over to you, Robert, for um, episode title rankings and the podcast episode rankings for Jessica Jones. Well, I was going to give this the same as the last episode. Um, they said the thing out of 10 because this episode is called AKA Crush Syndrome and Dr. Karata mentions what Crush Syndrome is in a scene with him. Um, oh, I, I missed that. What is it? It's when um, one kidney is destroyed, so the other one starts shutting down. Oh. I think it's it's something to do with because it doesn't have to be a kidney. I think you can get it if um if muscle or tissue is crushed, like literally crushed, and it's something to do with like the toxins being released and it makes the kidneys shut down. Like people who are um uh. like get their legs crushed and stuff under buildings or in 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 car crashes yeah. and stuff can get it as well. But I have decided to give it two out of ten because that's the amount of kidneys Jack gives over to Kilgrave. We can't um, give any more, can he? And I. Like, when I saw the title of this episode for the first time, I thought it would mean something cooler than your kidney shut down. <laughs> well, what did you think it was going to mean? Like, something to do with kissing? Something cooler? No. Something to do with crushing <laughs> and syndrome I, from The Incredibles. I, I already knew what crush syndrome was because uh, it's in an episode of House. Oh. So. I assumed it was something to do with having a crush on someone. <laughs> Different perspectives. I suppose that would fit... that. 
that would fit with ladies' night, I feel. Yeah, that's what I like, mean. Like as like a play on word, but yeah, no, okay. We were all wrong. You were right. Two out of ten. Me and Bobby. Were a solid two out of ten from Bobby there. Solid um, two out of ten. Um, <laughs> so the rankings of the two episodes we've got are number one is AKA Crush Syndrome, which is episode two, and then in the second position of two is AKA <laughs> Ladies Night, which was episode one. For My favorite clarification. episode. <laughs> <laughs> so for social media, you can get us on two platforms. We're on Tumblr. Um, at defenders disassemble and you can see all the great gifts we reblog and you could send us some asks if you had a tumblr or you could send us some mean anons if you really wanted to but don't be a dick um and we're also on twitter at disassemble pod um and you can email us at defenders underscore disassemble at outlook.com and if you want us to be really nice you could leave a review on itunes because then it helps us get higher up the rankings, even... I assume you'd have to give us a good review. But even if you want to give us a bad review, that's fine. It's your choice. Right, and next time? Next time, we have got AKA It's Cold Whiskey and AKA 99 Friends. So, that's the end of our podcast for this week. Um, So, thank you very much for listening, and bye-bye. See you later. Bye, I love you.